1: $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home.
0: I'm not near it worse to of
2: Tom Hush was not pleased, the dream shook and convulsed, tossing the bodies and blood and stone idols every which way, and all the while the sky blackened and the shadows spread like fire, burning the world back into primordial darkness. My sisters continued their onslaught, but to little effect, as the monster's explosive reaction to their gleaming teeth seemed largely due to indignation rather than laceration. The creature was cocooned in shadow, disallowing any clear view of its more subtle features. However, Tom's antlers were clearly visible as they stabbed skyward and beyond. The beast's eyes began to take on the burden of the dying sun as twin orbs bled a deep crimson into the dream, becoming an ocean of weightless, blinding blood, flowing without end. Tom's roar became the thunder of the storm he was quickly becoming, bellowing at volumes nature had yet attained during even its loudest tantrums. As for me, I stood and watched it all unfold, wrapped in ceaseless wonder. My sisters returned to my sides, smiles as endless as any of Tom's swelling aspects or attributes. Their teeth reflected the red of the antlered demon's rage, twinkling with defiance and malice aplenty. Together they whispered deadly thoughts into my fixated mind, prying me from the sight of a living, killing dream. Finally, summoning my own silence and shadows, drawing them around me like a cloak, I stood ready to take on the monster from myth. I was but a mote of dust caught momentarily in the eye of the sun and to die quickly was my only and every obligation. I don't know whether Tom Hush had struck me with his hand or the force of his illimitable red sight had sent me crashing into the molten heat of the collapsing nightmare. Either way, it nearly destroyed me. I was left to the margins of the dream, where waking and sleeping struggled, where the stability of my being began to catch within the exchange of opposing forces causing it to twist into solid and quicksilver ambiguities. The pain was exquisite, unlike anything I had ever known. I could feel my physical body, stretched out and sleeping beneath the cold shadows of dead trees, begin to convulse. My muscles were tensing around my frame with such strength that they threatened to snap my every bone, and my teeth were grinding my tongue into a flap of raw red meat. As for my dreaming mind, It barely endured beyond the crashing waves of unreality. Only the memories of my mother kept me from disappearing altogether into the chimera of fluxing dream. It was not a gentle hand that seized me from oblivion, throwing me down upon the ground of what was left of the crumbling dream. My father stood every inch as tall as the monoliths that collapsed around him, his aspect darkened by the blood of the end of the world was all he said to me as he returned to his battle with Marvin's monster, which was slowly recovering from my father's last assault. Tom Hush had vanished, presumably taking Dr. Link with him. And as I returned to my feet, a stray scrap of silence, blown free from the force of the imploding dream, settled across my mind. It was a message from the Antlered Lord. "'Twas merely a breath that defeated you, child. Imagine if I had chosen to enunciate, or if I had reached out to you. Now, away with you, and tell the rest of the shepherd's dogs of the calamity that is my displeasure." I hadn't time to dwell long on the message, for the world from which it was sent was quickly dying. I cast a single backward glance towards the fading dream of ancient blood, bones, and sacrifice. Like the bleeding wake of a killer shark, the spaces went pallid and quiet, as if the monster had never disturbed the world. My father and Marvin's shadow were buried in rage and bloodlust, having nearly smashed the two remaining dream worlds into splinters. This allowed me to make my way into Marvin's dream unhindered. When I drew upon the hallway door from which Marvin had entered, I heard the most pathetic wailing imaginable. It was the cry of a child. I opened the door into what appeared to be a tiny squalid apartment. Trash was heaped everywhere, as were corpses. The bodies were in varying states of decomposition. The people seemingly killed in a variety of unrelated yet horrific ways. Cardboard had been crudely taped over the windows to prevent the entrance of sunlight and unwanted attention. The dream was mostly memory, containing only a slight speck of fantasy. A gentle rain fell from the shadows that stained the ceiling, and occasionally the shapes of monstrous things pressed their silhouettes against the thinner layers of cardboard, suggesting hidden demons. I followed the cries that now vacillated between the voice of the child and an adult, sometimes transitioning even within the middle of a spoken, if indecipherable, word. While the words themselves were indistinct, they were easily enough understood. They were spoken in the language of pain and loss. As I closed on the voice, a single word broke through the static of sobbing. "Mother." One memory overtook another as the hallway I walked distended and became the muddy tunnel of an underground maze. The rain had stopped, and the monstrous shadows were replaced by the sounds of titanic things digging just beyond the hewn dirt walls of the burrow. The tunnel eventually concluded with another small, untidy room, replete with another menagerie of corpses. Except these bodies had been far more brutalized than the prior ones. Still, the vacillating voice was beyond my reach. The next door opened into even smaller spaces. The blood-stained and corpse-strewn innards of a ruined camper. Through a filthy cracked window I could see the figure of a man on his knees, crying, pleading to someone. Clearly, this was Marvin. Minus his monster, of course as he was covered in stitches and staples and other painful fasteners. I could see a woman's slender, delicate shadow falling across him. He was begging the woman, who I took to be his mother, not to abandon him, saying it would be the end of all things, great and small. I bent lower to get a better look at the woman through the window. My breath vanished as I struggled to understand. For the woman was my own mother. If I'd only seen her smile, I would have known her. I would have remembered how it lived beyond her lips, and how the sweetness of its red glow always put the taste of honey in my mouth. She began to recede slowly into the shadows of the forest behind her, leaving Marvin alone and kneeling in the mud. As she merged into the darkness of the woods, I heard her speak to him. She said, The end is yours to keep now. Cherish him, my son. She called him son. Yet I knew this man was no brother of mine. He was something else, though I had no idea what. Her eyes blossomed at the touch of the shadows, as if, like the moon, they were meant to be viewed exclusively from the darkness. Without thinking, I plunged deeper into Marvin's memory, hoping to catch a final look at my vanishing mother. But she was gone, and my sadness knelt beside the sobbing memory of Marvin's misery. I needed to know more. I had to find another memory somewhere in the dream. I ran back to the ruined camper, searching. I flung a cupboard door open and watched as the space beyond stretched and became a dark hole, leading somewhere deeper. I tore away the old dream to get to the newer one beneath. I clambered into the hole, struggling over the corpses that I suddenly realized were all but choking the small space. I heard something crashing behind me. Desperately I scrambled through the narrow earthly passage. Again, the tunnel yielded a room. This time it was a closet. I was looking down into the dark space from a small heating vent. I heard the whimperings of a child. It was Marvin, and this time he spoke to me. You think she's your mother, don't you? Said the miniature Marvin, standing on his tiptoes, whispering into the vent. In that case, I should tell you. Something exploded into the tunnel behind me. Marvin the child giggled at the monstrous interruption and said,
0: You're going to have to bleed
2: for this one, I think. A tightened hand wrapped around my ankles and pulled me from the tunnel. The transition from crawling to dangling was almost instantaneous as the hand quickly moved from my ankle to my throat. The grip was unbelievably strong. Again, my father held me in his grip. Where are you crawling away to, whelp? My father was aglow with wrath and the blood of his most recent opponent. The previous dream memory had ignited beneath my father's burning rage, and only the closet door remained, smoldering, covered in scratches made by the tiniest of fingernails. Release me, father, I said, despite the pressure being applied to my neck. He held me up to the fires of his eyes. It had been some time since I'd had cause to look upon my father for so long, and with such scrutiny. I searched his nearly indecipherable expression for some sign of an underlying motive for stripping me of my quarry. My request was met with greater pressure. He left me no choice. My right fist collided with his jaw as my left moved to pry his immense hand from my neck. He didn't move or speak, but only squeezed tighter. The fire from his eyes burned across my face as he held me closer. I could see my sister standing behind him, their smiles gone. Now, both my hands were trying his individual fingers. They were immovable, squeezing tighter still. My father's eyes poured fire into my brain, and I could feel certain memories crisping and curling within the inferno. I tried to open my eyes against his own, to douse his fires in my silence, but all I could do was gasp. The dead world was opening, and I could feel waking sensations move into my fingertips as my father's grip began to crush me out of sleep. Beyond the burning dream, within the blackened ruins of so many deadened memories, I could see Marvin, his body renewed in stitches and staples, aiming a whisper in my direction. Before I heard my neck within a dream snap like a stick, I heard the hushed words of the man-monster. Serpents are far deadlier than wolves, my friend, and your bed is teeming with them. When I awoke, the sun was bleeding into the retreating night and my throat still vibrated with a phantom pressure that refused to submit to waking. I replaced my sisters to their sleeping places and made ready to depart. While I had my sights set on Tom Hush and Dr. David Link, my mind was pinned to the dream of my mother, and only to a slightly lesser extent the whispered words of Marvin the Lunatic. Yet even now, under the hot light of the sun, I could feel the burning gaze of my father, watching. I put down the dream memory and walked slowly, waiting for the sun to fall away. I had no intention of entering the next city in broad daylight. The eastern entrance to the sprawling metropolis was littered with the lingering machinations of the Great Darkness. These obscura were treated with far more respect than what you would expect from other cities. With perhaps the exception of Autumn City, few metropolitan areas exploited the history of the Great Darkness with the enthusiasm of the City of Nighthead. The glassed-in monuments to madness were legion and breathtaking. Some of the buildings located within the city's downtown area even incorporated various obscura into their construction, allowing nightmares, now outlined in glass and concrete, to stand beneath the sun and beyond the sleep of reason. To be honest, there were several other cities I could have traveled to for the information I sought, but it was the lure of solid darkness that brought me to Nighthead. I made my way through the cobblestone streets, around nightmares frozen in municipal stone and into the finest shelters for shadows available within the city limits. At last, after I stepped out from the darkness of an alleyway, I found a newspaper that had been left to the wind. The headline read, Antlered Corpse Found Mutilated Upon Stone Altar.
0: Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Cersei. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Albion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Cersei. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Cersei on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.